Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashpitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Mads Doe Fitness, a.k.a. Maddie D, joins the podcast this week. And in this conversation, we discuss her health and wellness journey, her experiences as a coach, and most importantly, we really talk about her relationship with alcohol and her journey to sobriety. This episode is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company and I use their products every single day. So click the link in the show notes, see which products might work best for you, and then use the code EVERYBODY at checkout for $10 off your entire order. Now, on to episode 170 with Maddie D. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody. My name is Aaron Mashpitz. Maddie. Hello. Hello. Thank you. You were going to say, <laughs> that's funny. And that happens quite a bit on this show, actually, because um, I say my name, obviously, and then people want to say their name, and then we sort of get caught up in the midst of it all uh, <laughs> as I'm introducing them. But if you want to say your full name, you can. Maddie Doherty. Nice to meet you. Say your last name again. Doherty. That's where we get Maddie D, huh? Mm-hmm. Maddie D's Fitness. It's me, Maddie D. Mads Doe, Mads Doe Fitness. Yeah, that's your Instagram. Yeah. Which is linked in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. But, um, great. Well, I'm super glad that you came over. Me too. Super glad you came over. You've been over here a few times because you're friends with my fiance. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's so exciting. <laughs> and you were at the uh, like surprise engagement brunch, which went over, uh, went over really well. Yeah, it All did. All the friends did so good. Yeah, yeah. Like no one spilled the beans. I didn't spill the beans. She brought it up to me too. And I was like, I don't think it's going to happen that weekend. I really think you're wrong. <laughs> and, and I was proud of myself because usually I get red in the face and I start laughing. And she was like, no, I had no idea. Like when I was talking to her. Yeah. She had her guesses about the proposal, but not For the sure. she brunch. Could, yeah, she could read me a little bit. She knew, you know, I was planning something, all this, all that. But like then when we got to that surprise brunch, all of her friends, including maybe not you, but most of you guys were like, yeah, I try not to talk to you for like the last couple of weeks because I didn't want to spill the beans. All I had to do was talk about soccer. Yeah, because you guys playing the same team together. Yeah. That's Sweet. it. You guys got a big tournament coming up this weekend. I know. Well, when this episode drops, that tournament will be way past, but still. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Exciting. <clears throat> so this is episode 170 of this podcast. It's pretty cool. So, uh, I feel honored that you uh, accepted my invitation. So thank you for being here. Of course. And I have an important question to ask you before we get into the real meat and potatoes of your story. Ooh. It is, uh, how are you doing? Like, really, how are you doing? Oh, in life? Life's crazy. I'm doing good. A lot better than I was doing this time last year. Mm. Yeah. We got um, over a year of sobriety. I'm picking up classes where I coach group fitness. I'm starting up. I have the soccer team with Ree, and then I also am on a flag football team. Flag football? Yeah. Hey. Sand volleyball, all the good stuff. Staying on top of it, staying busy, doing, doing all the things. Sweet. Yeah. So when you go to a party and someone asks you what you do, how do you answer that question? Oh, like what I do for... A living? 
Yeah. I mean, I usually tell them I coach group fitness. Some people are turned off by that. Um, and other people aren't. It kind of just depends on like what your interests are as a person. Um, cause if you know what group fitness is, you know that it's more than just like dancing. Like I think a lot of people think of like Zumba or like back in the day where you do like the step ups, let's step up dancing. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we lift heavy. We go just as hard as anyone in the normal gym. It's just for people that need a little bit more guidance and want a little bit of a cheerleader on their side. And I was a cheerleader, so it's perfect. Right up in my alley. Who who gives a like a bad reaction to that? Like, what sorts of people have you met? That like, and what reactions were those? Um. So it's like, well, this sounds a little sexist. It's usually the guys because guys are like, well, why would I do group fitness? Um. But then, you know, that's a conversation starter. Usually we can talk about it and it turns around. Um, but then it's like the older generation a little bit. They're like, well, why would you choose that as a career? Mm. And for me, it's important to choose what you love to do and what you're passionate about. At some, I mean, money does matter, but at some point you, you got to enjoy what you're doing or you're not, you're going to waste your life. So I think they see it more as like, how can you make that a stable income? And I'm like, I'm just focusing on doing what I love to do mm. kind of a thing. Yeah. I think there's a, there should be a, uh, like a happy medium between those two trains of thought, right? I think nowadays the whole messaging is like, find your purpose, do what you love. And then there's no real education around financial literacy, money, investment, stocks, things to build for something. It's just like live in the moment, do what you want. Uh, and as long as you're happy or whatever, whatever happy means, no one really has a definition for it. So I don't think it's something you can actively chase, mm -hmm. but then there's that. And then there's our, our sort of the old school, I don't want to say old school, just uh, older generation mentality of like, have something secure money, get a paycheck, make sure it's stable. Mm -hmm. And now everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and a content creator. And sometimes that cannot be stable. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, I think then it needs to, there needs to be a meshing of those two ideas, right? Yeah. Uh, because that's sort of where I think the the best, most fulfilling life can be lived, right? Because then you have this job, if you want to call it a job. Like I have a, I, I work for myself, and so I don't really consider them jobs because I'm choosing to do them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they get grindy and hard, and I don't want to do some of the minutia and administrative work. But majority of the time, I fucking really enjoy it. Like I get to sit down and have a conversation with you. Yeah. How cool is that? So cool. It's like the coolest thing. You get, to, <laughs> you get to coach people on their health and fitness. Very yeah. cool. I used to do that also. But then it's like, okay, so I found this. Now how can I sort of monetize this idea so it's stable enough where I can pay my bills and feed my family or myself and, and travel but also experience the world and not feel like I'm dreading every single moment being at this job. Yeah. So there has to be a long-winded response to your comment, but. <laughs> there has to be a, a middle a middle ground like extremes on any point right as as you might know mm -hmm. are are not good yeah right very rarely is it like always and never or black and white and very, in certain circumstances that is true right yeah. yeah this is wrong this is right mm -hmm. but very rarely when we're like trying to live this human experience which is extremely difficult is it like always and never you know yeah and i've learned that more with like being in a long-term relationship you know, like when someone gets on your nerves or they do something that might annoy <laughs> you, right? <clears throat> Me and I don't really have that often, but I've been thinking about this now that we're engaged and going to be married and get to commit to like the rest Forever. of our lives, yeah. right? It's like Bound if, to she, happen. if she starts to do something that might annoy me 10 years from now, am I going to say, hey, you always do this, even though that's not true, <laughs> even though she may have only done it twice. Yeah. 
hey, sometimes when you do this thing, it uh, it slightly irritates me. That comes off way better than, hey, you always fucking do this and it's annoying me. Yeah. So uh, I've been thinking about those really, those really big words that really um, aren't actually true. People don't always and never do things. They sometimes do them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. No, no question there, but just uh, you, know, you might get used to those. I, just, I like to talk. Maybe you haven't recognized that because we haven't had a chance to actually sit down and chat. And, but yeah, when it comes to these things, I go on long winded stuff. We love it. But let's start with... Let's start with your sobriety. Okay. Seems like a good place to start. I was looking at your Instagram today because I wasn't sure if that was something you wanted to talk about publicly because I've never heard you talk about it. I don't know. It's not. It's like taboo. It's not something that comes up, but it's not something I'm shy away from. Yeah. And so I was like wondering because I know Ree knows about it and Mm -hmm. she's a a great listener and a good person to tell things to, as I know. (laughs) And I was looking through your Instagram. I was like, oh, her one year mark was five, five weeks ago. From when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. One month ago. One year and one month. Oh, that's so exciting. That's incredible. One, congratulations. Thank you. And now let's let's go back to one year, one month ago. What was your life like? What, what was happening in your life then? Oh my gosh. Okay, talking about it. Hopefully I don't cry because that's no one likes a crier. <laughs> we cry on this podcast. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, life one year and one month ago. Mm. Let's take it back. So I actually have struggled with drinking for a while. I grew up um, in a super religious family. I grew up Mormon, so we didn't drink. But I, being a rebellious child, did anyways. So I started at like, gosh, I want to say 15 or 16. And I think doing it secretly kind of created a habit that was more of a binging type of drinking, which wasn't a healthy relationship. And then at some point it started to turn into a coping mechanism for the things that were happening in my life. And it was getting to a point where COVID made it even worse. And the first thing I was drinking in the morning wasn't water. It was alcohol. I was coaching with alcohol in my water bottle. Like it was getting bad. And so, um, just, to be a, a little religious here, I did, I would like pray about it. And I was like, I need something to help me get out from this. Like I, I can't do it myself because I didn't have the strength to walk away from it. And so, yeah, a year and a month ago, I fell asleep in a parking lot and I got arrested. I was in jail for like 13 hours, I want to say, which was horrifying. The second I was handcuffed, I was like traumatized and I had learned my lesson. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've paid like actual money and like spiritually, physically, mentally, all of it. I have paid for that since then. And I have not had any desire to drink. And since then, um, I've gotten a new job at a new gym. I've filled my schedule all the way up. I make like double the amount what I was making last year, which was a big goal for me that I just kept pushing off because I couldn't prioritize what I need to prioritize. Um, I've lost like 30 pounds. I have a lot more connections and relationships with people because I can actually speak to them as an adult with maturity and not say things completely inappropriate. Um, I can also handle my emotions a lot better. Mm. I have a temper. It's probably why I'm so aggressive on the soccer field. But um, yeah, I mean, being sober, it's just you can handle your life a lot better. And I've made a lot of progress since then. So long answer for you. I want all the long answers. (laughs) One, congratulations. That's Thank beautiful. you. Thank you. 
um, uh, quite a few things happened for me in, in COVID as well. It was a very pivotal point in my life. Um, but not about me, but I'll relate it to your story in a second. But I want to talk about the things that you were using alcohol to cope with. What were you coping with? What was happening? Um, what was bringing you the most stress? What was causing you to drink as much as you were? Oh, so many things. I think the biggest would be, I mean, so it was never super crazy things. Like when I started using it as a coping mechanism, like it was in high school, it was just the simple things. Like, you know, I wasn't going off to a university like my friends were. So I felt like I was trapped. And that's something that I think a lot more people suffer with than I realized. Um, so I used that as my first excuse. And then once I got to college, I was staying home and going to community college. So I'm the youngest of four and I was with my parents at the time. And hopefully they don't listen to this, but I'm sure they'd be fine with it, um, sharing their story. Mom, they actually, my dad had cheated on my mom for like a good chunk of my life. And I just want to preface with saying, I've already had long conversations with him and we're on good terms. All of us are. They're still friends. Um, but... I had just started finding out everything while I was in college and it was things that I shouldn't have seen or heard and he wasn't aware that I was seeing them and hearing them and instead of approaching him and instead of talking to my siblings or my mom or trying to find a therapist or anything, I decided to just get drunk about it and try to escape my thoughts that way and that's how it all really started. Just trying to escape the fact that the people who are supposed to like love each other and be a good example to you just spent like your whole life lying to you. Mm. And so that, that was the biggest one for me. Wow. Yeah. That's, not a, that's a very, very hard thing to experience as a somewhat young person. Yeah. You know, and you know, you said you started drinking to be a bit rebellious mm -hmm. to do the thing that you weren't supposed to do. Mm hmm. And then, so it's an easy sort of pathway for that to become the thing that you use as your crutch. Uh, so yeah, it's just like super challenging, man. You know? Yeah. Um, I've thought a lot about like addiction and, you know, like really, like really, really serious ones and why we do those things and forgiving ourselves for it and all that stuff relating to our mental health and potentially, you know, making an ultimate decision of, of suicide and things like that and where that path leads um, but we can we can get to that in a second. So after that, um, alcohol just what became became your your best friend or what? What was the, what was the story there? After that initial moment where you feel like that it became your coping mechanism. I don't think in that moment I realized it was my coping mechanism yet. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember the timeline of how it all happened. To be honest with you, um, so the first time that I brought it up to my mom, I intentionally got like blackout and I was the kind of person that would go for the biggest bang for my buck so I would get like the biggest like if even even if it was like a bag a wine bag I would go for the biggest bottle or the biggest wine bag and I would get the highest alcohol content for the cheapest amount of money like I would search for it and I prepared for that and then I spilled everything to her I told her every detail about everything every woman there ever was oh, with your dad. yes mm -hmm. and then um, shortly after that, I got into therapy and I think in therapy is when I realized that it was a coping mechanism and I realized when it got really bad because I would 
pregame the therapy session. Wow. Yeah, in the parking lot. I would drink before going into therapy. And also just then talking about your feelings mm-hmm. and that you were yeah. under the influence. Yeah, and I think also if you're, for me, going into therapy, or I guess not even going into therapy, when I realized that I made myself the victim in every situation, I got defensive in every situation, I felt like everyone... Um, not was out to get me, but like everyone had negative thoughts and feelings about me. I realized that like, I think my insecurity about my drinking was making myself believe that and come up with that. If that makes sense. Yeah. You came up with a story to tell yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, gosh, I guess I went kind of far off from your question you asked. No, this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Keep going. Do you have any more details? Yeah, no, for now, that's it. (laughs) Um, And then is this like before or around COVID or what's happening at this point? That one was actually before COVID. So it got worse because um, when I spilled the beans to my mom, it kind of sped everything up. Um, My dad was like, okay, we're going to get separated. Like he got my mom an apartment. He got himself an apartment. And at that point I had transferred to TWU, which I only did because it was what was expected of me. Um, I am now a firm believer in if what you want to do in your life does not require you to get a degree, I don't think that you need to get a degree. You don't need to spend all of that money and all of that time doing something that you're not enjoying and you're not going to use. I don't use my degree. I think it's nice that I have it. I think it does help me. It's a nice, um, what's a backup plan, but I just, That was a lot of stress on me that I didn't need. I did that because it was expected of me. So all that to say, I moved to Denton. Um, I was not financially ready for it. This happened very quickly. And within that same year, that is when COVID hit. So I couldn't get out of my lease. I was still paying it every month, even though I I, I couldn't go to work. And I moved in with my mom. Um, So... She lived in a one-bedroom apartment. It was like 600 square feet. So we were like smushed together. Mm. Neither one of us wanted to be alone. That's why we moved together, uh, back in together. And that is where it got even worse. Like I was secretive about drinking again. I would try to drink as much as I could before she would get off work so that she wouldn't see me drinking it. So then it created me like this race in my head where I had to drink so much at one time. Mm. And... I was taking tests drunk. I was doing all sorts of things. And I just, I can't believe, like thinking about it right now, I can't believe that's how it was. That was bad. It was pretty bad. Outside of drinking, did did you have any other um, like sort of mental health issues? Were you, I mean, was drinking like the, the full capacity of it or were you feeling depressed and anxious or... Were you thinking about harming yourself or was there any other anxious yes. outside of thoughts outside of that? Yeah, anxious, yes. Um, I think everyone struggles a little bit with like financial anxiety, mm-hmm. but it's to the extreme to where like even if someone's paying a bill at a restaurant, I have I, I like cannot look at it because my heart will start to race. Like I don't like to talk about money. I don't know where I developed that, but I have this like fear of it. And that was like crippling me because everything was closed. Like you couldn't, people couldn't pay for rent. People could hardly pay for food. And like, even though people were getting, um, what was it? You were furloughed and getting that unemployment. Yeah, yeah. 
while that was great and all, like, I was also thinking about the future, which is where a lot of my anxiety came from, too. Like, you know, I'm at an age where, yes, I'm still young and yes, I still have time, but everyone around me is getting married and having babies and getting houses. And I'm like, how are you guys affording a house, a baby, a car? How are you affording any of this? So I think like a lot of my anxiety stemmed from financial um, stresses and then just the relationships that I was having, like friendship and family, they weren't very strong at the time. And instead of like doing something healthy to fix them, I just, you know, obviously reverted back to drinking. And then, um, I mean, the biggest thing, and I still kind of struggle with it now, but it's a lot, a lot better now that I'm sober, is like feeling lonely, like not having a partner mm. when your best friends are both married. It's hard because you don't feel like you're worthy of that love. Oh, see, this is what I'm going to start crying. You don't feel like you're worthy of the love that your friends get. And even though there's time and there's people out there, it really sucks. And that's what gets to me. Mm. Can, can yeah. you admit that it sucks and also admit that you are worthy of that love? Like, can't those two things mutually exist? Now I can like confidently agree and say that. Yeah, because I think that's important for those that are seeking a very long-term intimate relationship. Yeah, like the dating market is hard, mm -hmm. you know, um, but just because it's hard and things aren't happening in the right way or the right way or the right time frame or whatever the case may be is. It doesn't mean that you are someone who isn't worthy of that. It just means the right thing hasn't popped into your life. Yeah. And there can also be some, I say this to a lot of men, some honest feedback on yourself. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm a man and all of the women in the whole world think I'm unattractive, it's not the women's fault. Mm -hmm. Can't be. But a lot of men nowadays are reverting to that idea. Like, oh, every single girl thinks I'm unattractive in the world. That means women are shit. And I'm just going to stay in my house all day. The opposite thing needs to happen. Okay, so they all think that I'm unattractive. Okay, that sucks. That really sucks. It hurts. I'm alone. I don't have a job. I live with my mom. I'm out of shape. Okay, those things are all true. But how can I move up the ladder a little bit and take responsibility for myself as a man, as someone who can be an important part of society and make myself become more attractive to the opposite sex or whatever sex you're interested in? Right. Then, okay, so I need to get a better job. I need to start exercising. I need to take care of my financials. Like one baby step at a time, not the whole world. But then maybe five years from that moment, you, your whole life has changed. And now you go out into the world with this, uh, this confidence, this feel, and maybe women start to find you attractive, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't super relate to what you're saying, but... Um, I think in a way it does. But I like, I like to bring up that point with, with men, and we can talk about dating a bit more, but... It's like, it's, it's like super important. There's a, there's an internal responsibility that has to happen when you're seeking a relationship because most of the time I hear people talk about, I'm looking for this and that person. Well, that's great that you know what values you want that person to bring to the table. But what the fuck do you bring to the table? Yeah. That's also extremely important. Weird. I have to know what I bring to the table. I bring this, 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 and this because I've cultivated that in myself and I know that those are my strengths and I know that's how I can show up for someone in real time. Because when you, when you want to commit to someone for the rest of your life, that shit is hard. There's yeah. going to be fights. There's going to be financial troubles. There's going to be death. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be I can't pay my bills. Maybe, potentially. For the normal person, that's how it goes. Yeah. And how are you going to work with that if you don't know the strengths that you can bring to the relationship 
and you haven't built that within yourself and then you have that in another as well so it's like it's, it's, it's quite important but mm-hmm. um back to you no i i think yeah i mean i agree with everything you said um i think it is important to look inward a lot of the time Instead of just looking at what's wrong with the outside world, what can you do in your own situation to make it better? And that is something that I learned in the past year in sobriety. Like, I, a lot of people are like, Maddie, you're just always so happy. You're glowing. You're so bright. You're like a light. And I'm like, thank you. It's not easy. Like, a lot of the time, I get in my car and I cry my eyes out. And then at the end of the car ride, I'm like, okay, that was nice. Now let's go. Let's go crush the day. And like, it's not like I'm just ignoring the troubles, like I'm acknowledging them and I'm accepting them. And then I'm like, okay, well, what can I do right now? If I can't do anything, it's out of my control, then I'm just going to go and do the best I can. And I think that kind of somewhat relates to what you said. Just yeah, kind of like, absolutely. you get to choose. You get to choose for yourself. You do. We, we, we have the... <clears throat> utmost power to control our response in every situation now it's not easy Mm-mm. not easy but we do have that power we hold the power to choose our response we we don't have that much control in this world over like things that happen but we do have immense control over our attitude and our effort and our way we respond to things and that ultimately is the trajectory of our entire lives and one little decision here and there can put you on an upward spiral and i think that's important yeah. Because um, it doesn't have to be this like monumental thing, right? Um, that moves you in the direction. Normally, it's like rock bottom or pain that changes people the most. Your situation was that way. Mine was definitely pain that changed me. Um, but if we can get people to a place where they can just recognize that before that horrible thing happens and that they can do something about it beforehand, mm-hmm. and then the horrible thing is still going to happen. We can't change that. Yeah. But then we have a better sense of how to handle it, and maybe it doesn't put us into a you know, a 12-month depression or gets us to dr- We have a better way of handling it, mm-hmm. um, but that's the unpredictability of life, so yeah. you know, we can't, can't really see the future, but that's what I think about it. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> it's all led to... You okay? Well, I want to touch on you uh, putting alcohol in your water bottle and then going to train people. Yeah, not my best. That is very, it's very intense. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't an often thing. But it happened. It did happen more than once. Um, It wasn't often. I was never blackout coaching. It was more like think of how you'd feel after like one beverage. Yeah, it was just like a little buzz. Which I'm not saying that to say that that was okay. Sure, sure. But I I just want to be clear that it wasn't as the extreme that I probably made it sound. Um, yeah, I don't know. There was a point in time where I just didn't know like what I wanted to do with my life. And I didn't know if coaching was it. And so going to coach was like upsetting, I guess. I was like, am I even doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I even helping these people? Do they even care that I'm there? Those are the kind of thoughts I was having. Yeah. Um, I don't have those thoughts anymore. I know that I'm making a difference. I can see it. And even if someone comes in there and, you know, I have someone who's a little bit older right now and she can't do most of the things, but it's social for her. It's like a, a space for her to get out of her home and socialize with people. And sometimes that's all they need. And there's a lot of people that coach one-on-one too that like, 
You may think you're there to push someone and tell them to lift heavier, but sometimes you're literally just also a therapist and you're just listening ears. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I realized that, I was like, I need to be able to be my best self. I can't be going in there sloppy, drinking secretly and acting a fool because these people come here to escape their lives and their problems just as I used to when I went to the gym. Mm. So. Yeah, and, and people view you as, you know, their role model or someone that they can aspire to be. Yeah. Or things like that. Like, it, it's never just a workout. Agreed. It never is. If you're someone who actively moves their body, which everyone should, whether that be in the gym, outside, nature, Zumba, dance class, rock climbing, jujitsu, something. You have to find something. Mm -hmm. And we can get on the importance of that. But... If you go to a group fitness class, I think, one, you're going because, yeah, you like the social aspect, but you see something there that inspires you maybe to be more, to do more. Like maybe you want to lose 30 pounds or you want to be a group instructor or whatever the case is. Like it's, it's always much more. For me, it was way more than working out. Like working yeah. out was the first thing that changed my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where I would be without those like fundamental values that i learned from the gym agreed like it's it's unbelievable um but we can get we can get to that in a second too mm -hmm. um so then ultimately this all leads to you falling asleep in your car in the parking lot yeah yeah that um, is actually probably the best thing that could have happened because there's obviously a number of things that could have been way way worse oh yeah when i called my mom and from my cell like my jail cell not my phone cell um <laughs> She was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you're alive. Like, I'd I'm so happy for this call. Like, as soon as she saw it was from the jail, she was just like, I knew it was you. And I'm so glad that you didn't get in an accident because she was up. She's like a super spiritual person and she can always feel when something's up. Mm. And she was like, I knew something happened. And I just am so glad that you didn't crash. Like, you didn't kill anybody. You didn't kill yourself. And yeah, I mean, it is, it is a good thing that I fell asleep and I wasn't actually driving. But I... I think it's still just as bad, um, but it needed to happen. I wouldn't be where I am right now and have learned everything that I've learned if it hadn't have happened. So in a way, I'm grateful for it, no matter how many tears it makes me cry. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been th I, I think about that word gratitude a lot, you know, because my, you know, my moment was when I lost my big sister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, September is five years. Well, 2008, yeah, to five years. 2018, 2023. Yeah, mm -hmm. September is five years since I lost her. And I always, when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know if grateful is the right word, but it always keeps coming back because I wouldn't be doing anything in my life right now currently that I'm doing mm -hmm. if that moment hadn't happened. Now, maybe the universe or something would have pushed me in this direction at some point in my life. Yeah. But that thing did happen. I can't change it. I'm never going to be able to change it. It is what it is. It happened. So, like, I, I sort of feel the same way as you. Like, yes, it did happen. And I'm, I'm trying to do the best that I can with that situation. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I have gratitude for certain things that have come out of it. Yes. Again, like this conversation. Um, like being able to coach baseball again, you know, all this stuff. Um, but I would still like obviously take my sister back in a heartbeat. Oh, for sure. The exact same life that I was living and 
2018, then hopefully something would happen where I would still meet Re and, you know, all of these amazing things would still happen. Yeah. Um, but this is the life we have, right? And we mm-hmm. have to accept it as is. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so interesting when these moments come into our life, like how we respond to them is, is everything. Um, and it's not like, I always caveat that with like, if you do go through a painful moment in your life, you don't have to become, you don't have to try and change the world because of it. No, no. Yeah. You just have to try and accept it and move forward with it as best you possibly can, whatever life you want to live through that. Mm -hmm. But if you do choose to take it and motivate and inspire and change the way you live and push you in the direction you ultimately could have gone, that's also great too. And so I think that's important to understand. For sure. But your situation obviously caused you to immediately want to make a difference. Like right when that happened, like you were just like, this is it. This is a reality check. This is my, yeah. this is my rock bottom. Or Pretty bottom. much as soon as I was handcuffed, I was like, this is not happening again. I kept, I kept mumbling, like, I'm not a criminal. <laughs> like, I'm not a criminal. Why am I back here? Um, but I mean, in that moment I was, I was drunk and I turned my car on and yeah, I mean, the next day my dad picked me up and my mom and dad had had multiple conversations with me before the hand beforehand, um, for like years. They're like, you know, our family has addictive personalities. Like you need to watch out. Like you're going to go down a very dark path. And I just kind of like disregarded them. I was like, I'm fine. I have control over it. And then that day when my dad picked me up, um, It was like, uh, he was like, there's two ways this is going to go. You're either going to end up back here and nobody is going to come for you. Or you're going to use this and you're going to flip it around and you're going to start doing better. And in that moment, I was like, oh, you're so annoying. But (laughs) it was true. Like I was either going to revert back and just go back to drinking and suffer further. Or I was going to, you know flip everything around and do better. And I was like, I want to do better. I don't want to be stuck here anymore. I want to grow. I want to be on my own. I want to be independent. I want to be mature. I want to be treated like an adult, which I wasn't acting like an adult. So I wasn't being treated like one. And yeah, I just kind of used that. And I was like, no, we're not coming back here. No, sir. (laughs) So you just stopped. Yeah. I mean, the next day, um, the next day or two, I was filled with a lot of shame. I had just started a new job. I believe I was still under one month. And I had, so this all happened on a Sunday night. So I missed Monday of work. Um, um, even with my drinking, I was still really responsible. So that's like very out of character for me. And they all were like, are you okay? Um, and I walked in that day. Um, two of the chiropractors are also owners and like, they're both dads. One's a boy dad, one's a girl dad. And like, I only say that because you know, they have different personalities, but they both came up to me and I was honest with them. And they just like both hugged me and gave me their own like piece of advice. And I cried hugging both of them. And like, just knowing that not only do my owners, my bosses, and I guess in a way also coworker comfort me, but like as a dad, they comforted me and they just knowing that other people go through the same thing as I do more than you think way more than you think was like, okay, if other people can get through this and if other people have made the same mistake I have, then I'm not such a bad person and I can get through this. So it really didn't take long for me to like shift my mindset. And that's not to say like it hasn't been hard and I haven't had really dark moments. Like 
I still, like I said, do cry about it. I get really worked up about it. But I also always go back to the fact that like, look at how far I've come. I haven't drank in over a year. And that's because of this. So it's like a whole like peaks and valleys, up and down, ebbs and flows kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, the peaks and valleys, but it's like, it's more like a spiral up, right? Because if you look at a spiral up, right? It's like, it goes up and then the downward part happens, but then you loop back up. Because mm-hmm. that downward part is always going to happen. Yeah. Because like, we're, we're good. Our trajectory is good. We've, mm-hmm. We're past point A, now we're at point B. And then this like little thing happens. I'm not feeling today. Today's really hard. It's an anniversary. It's a this, it's a that. But then here at that down point, that's our response. What we were talking about earlier. No, I, I choose this. So I'm going to spiral back up and now mm-hmm. I'm at point C and then it just continues for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes when we spiral back down, we make the bad choice or we don't make a choice at all. And it brings us back down to point A and then we have to start over again. Yeah. But that's okay. Cause we get another chance if we keep showing up and we keep trying. That's the beauty of it all. Yeah. Um, what, um, what else, what else, what else do you learn about yourself? What, um, could you pass on to someone else who might be dealing with the same thing or just in the trenches of life itself? Hmm, that's tough. What could I pass on to someone struggling with drinking, you say? With anything. Because <sighs> it all relates. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Um, anything that you're struggling with, I think this is somewhat obvious, but also not. Because you can hear something and just be like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then you don't actually think about it or apply it until... It comes down to you like actually facing it. So for me, what's helped me the most, instead of looking so far to the future, like instead of looking five years down the road or one year down the road or even one month down the road, like focus on the week that you're in. Or lately, actually, the past couple months for me, with how overwhelmed I've been feeling, I straight up will say out loud to myself in the car, like be present in today, be right here today. You don't need to think about tomorrow. You don't need to be sad about what happened yesterday. Just be right here right now. And that has helped a lot. Just being present. And being present in my thoughts. Like focusing and realizing what I'm thinking. Because negative thoughts can bring you way down. And if you catch your negative thoughts, you can recognize that and be like, okay, never mind. I don't want to think about that anymore. Like let's carry on with something a little bit more uplifting. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be where your feet are. Yeah. Everything, everything good happens in the present moment. There's a, there's an old saying. It's actually from AA. That was weird. Spooky. That the lights just went out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that if you have, oh, that's why. We love a good thunderstorm. Uh, you have one foot in the past, and you have one foot in the future. That means you're peeing on the present. You don't want to do that. I've never heard that. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. But I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you, if, you're, if you're dwelling on the past or you're worried about the future, that means you're not here, not right now. Mm-hmm. And that's harder said than done. You have to sort of develop this like mindfulness practice to be able to get yourself locked into the present moment, using your breath, controlling your thoughts, having mm-hmm. a sense of awareness, all of that stuff, you know, developing that set of tools. But if you have this just general idea, right, the, the first step to changing anything is first becoming aware of it. Yeah. And then you have to accept it. And then you move into the most important part, which is action. Mm-hmm. You have to have sort of those three steps. But if you know that, okay, everything good happens in the present moment, how can I be where my feet are in this moment? 
then you actually know that that's important and then you can figure out the tools to get there. Okay, I need to take a big deep breath or I need to change my body language or I need to focus on my self-talk or I need to um, have a focal point where I'm just looking at this thing or I need to practice some boredom to know that it's okay if I get bored and I, that can stir up some creativity or whatever the case may be. Yeah, so there's many that's different a good practices one. that happen. Um, but knowing that you want to be there because it, like, you know, um, if we're having a conversation or if you're with a loved one or you're spending time with someone you don't get to see very often, you want to be there. Yeah, you, for you sure. You want to be there. Um, and I mean, that's, that's it, right? It's just like those moments can get taken away from you. Yeah. You can, it won't be until after the fact that you're like, man, I didn't really take that for what it was in the moment. Yeah. That's always the worst. Yeah, we want to we wanna take things as granted, not for granted. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. So in the midst of your, your sobriety, um, you, got, you got your health and wellness locked in. What was, like, what was that like? What, were you, what did you change? Because you, know, you said you dropped 30 pounds. Yeah. Um, was it a bunch, I'm sure it was like a bunch of little changes or did you just start eating right and moving well and things like that? So I always was moving well, like even in the height of my drinking and like the heaviest I've ever been, I was still working out a lot. Like I'm just a super active person. And I think, um, when I stopped drinking, I lost a couple pounds, but not like a whole lot. And, but at that point I had also stopped working out. Like I didn't have the energy or the motivation and I'm also a firm believer in like, if your body is telling you that it doesn't want to or it can't, then don't beat yourself up about it. Like if you have a rest day that lasts longer than one day, that's okay. I took like a couple weeks off. I actually think I took like a month off at first. And so taking that off, I lost a little bit of muscle, which was very sad. But <laughs> um, yeah, more the weight that I lost was literally just a sobriety. It was a very gradual thing for me. Um, my diet is pretty much the same. I would say currently my diet, I don't eat enough. I'm a very anxious, anxious individual. Um, but I'm aware of that and I eat as much as my body will let me eat. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I was active for a majority of that time uh, diet was like 70, 30. They say the rule is 80, 20. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to make it 70, 30. Whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah. If I want some chocolate chips or some like Andy's custard, like please. Andy's custard, eh? So good. I also can down a family size bag of hot Cheetos in one sitting. So I, I will do it and I won't beat myself up about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really wasn't a super big change in terms of like health and wellness. Um, I, I stuck with doing what I normally did. I just wasn't consuming alcohol or soda. I pretty much stuck to water. Um, but yeah. And you started to like yourself. Yeah. I mean, my, my skin started to get clear right now. I'm dealing with some shoulder acne, but my face got clearer. My, my muscles started getting leaner. Like I just started actually looking at myself in the mirror and being like, Hey, maybe you are worthy of being loved not by someone else, but by myself. Like I didn't like myself. I didn't like looking in the mirror. I didn't like taking pictures. And now I can do all that and I can actually look at myself and be proud of what I see. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's a, just a gradual progression. Very, very slow. Yeah. Very slow. And it was just seeing yourself, what, do the things you said you were going to do, like building, mm-hmm. building up your self-worth through esteemable acts, let's say. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly that, actually. Yeah. There's a quote that I say all the time on this podcast because this guy named Alex Ramosi said it. But you, um, you're, uh, what is it? Holy crap, now I forgot. Oh, you're building <laughs> an undeniable stack of proof that you are the person you say you are because you're, you're outworking your self-doubt. So if you have for the past year, six months, two weeks, whatever, how small it is or long it is, you've done the thing you said you were going to do. That is worthy of your attention. Mm-hmm. That means that it's a esteemable act. So you're building your self-esteem and in that you're building your self-worth. Yeah. And if you take a second to just say, oh, I did do all of those things I said I'm going to do. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. You know, that's why it's important that when you're starting on any sort of journey to make the habit you're trying to start so freaking small that it's impossible yes. to fail. Yes. And that's, that's, a, that's a really important marker. So if we're relating it to fitness and I'm someone who wants to start working out and I've never really worked Small. out, there's no reason why you can't say that my workout routine when I start is going to be one jumping jack a week. Yeah. I agree with you. Absolutely. Because Monday morning comes and I literally do one jumping jack. You did that. Yeah. You literally did the thing you said you were going to do. Yeah. And most of the time you do one, you're not going to just going to stop and walk away. You're like, oh shit, I did that already. Yeah. So maybe I can you crank five. out some more. You just 5X to your plan. Mm-hmm. And then week number two, you're like, okay, I'll do one jumping jack on Monday and Wednesday this week. And you just slowly build from there. If you're willing to give yourself like the effort over the long haul, mm-hmm. your chances of changing your entire life extra or like exponentially increase for sure like that's why i didn't like that's why i don't like some of these things that people implement like the 75 hard now if it works for you sick like great yeah yeah yeah, but yeah. if i get 25 days in and I, I miss one thing now i view myself as a failure i have to go all the way to start at zero at square zero i, I suck i'm stupid. small attainable goals you know that's all it is and then and then you're you're the person who's now working out doing some sort of movement six days a week. Maybe mm. you love jumping jacks now. Maybe you've added walking. Maybe you've added mm. uh, Zumba. Maybe you've added group fitness. Yes. But if we can get up to that point where we're not, it's not embarrassing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not embarrassing that I have to start with one jumping jack a week. It's my starting point and it's not for anyone else. It's for me. I'm right. putting it in my journal or in my head and I'm doing it and I'm, I'm checking that thing off, baby. I fucking did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're building up your self-worth because you're having an undeniable stack of proof yeah. that you are the person you say you are. Now, on the opposite spectrum, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to do three days a week, 60 minutes. And you do that for one week because motivation is super high. Yeah. And then motivation starts to diminish because motivation is fleeting and it's not real. And then you had a long week and Monday comes around. You're like, ah, nah. Yeah. No. And then Wednesday comes around. You're like, nah. Friday. Yeah. And then you're spiraled back. Now, January 1st, you're coming up with a brand new New Year's resolution because, oh, because you... Those get me. You know, instead of just having a new day resolution, every day is new. Every day is new. You can do something about it every single day. You don't need a specific time. It's not. It's never going to be the right time. It's never going to yeah. be the perfect time. It just is the time. Yeah. And, you know, that's how you can build any habit. You want to read more? You want to be better at communicating? A small goal. That's it. You know, tiny steps, tiny, 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 baby steps. I agree. I actually like before you even started saying it, I was like, oh, I should have said that. And then you said it and I was like, perfect. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I literally 
just got recertified for wellness coaching too. And that was a whole entire chapter. Is that like, yeah. And it doesn't have to go for just wellness and fitness. It can go for anything. Small goals, something that you can actually achieve. Absolutely. Like my mom is addicted to drinking Coke. She loves Coke. She has multiple Cokes a day. She's like, I just want to stop. And I'm like, your goal should be just one Coke a day because right now you drink two or three. So that's a small goal, just one. And then once you do that, maybe like you only drink Coke Monday through Friday. And once you can do that for like a month, then cut it down again. Like it doesn't have to be big and scary. That's why I made that comment about New Year's resolutions. People make the biggest goals, and I think that's awesome. But what are the small goals and small steps that are going to get you to that big goal? Yes. But, we, uh, we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in five years. Yeah. Give yourself five years. Give yourself ten years. Wow, what could you do? Holy shit. It could be unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the gym taught me. Because I started working out when I was 13. And didn't feel like I saw any progress until I was 16. Like that's three years. I was working out every single day because I became obsessed and I also was getting bullied and I was also in wrestling and baseball and all these things. And then all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, I'm 6'1", 225 pounds and I'm pretty jacked. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what three years of working out will do to you. Lots of changes in that, for, yeah. for boys especially, lots of changes at that age too. Absolutely. Oh, that's yes. crazy. But then you think to yourself, oh, like all the, all the work does pay off. Yeah. Like I just have to be willing to sort of sit through the trenches of it all. Patience, baby. But yeah. What's your, what's your workout routine like these days? What are you doing for yourself? Gosh, when I'm coaching, I'm also working out a little bit with them. Not for like the whole class, but a good chunk of it. So... With how crazy my schedule's been, I actually only get like one, maybe two classes in for myself. Um, and I do, I'm not, I not I'll only coach, but I attend group fitness. Like I'm not one to go into the gym by myself, not because I'm against it, but because I'm a very distracted soul. And I'll do like one set and then just completely zone out for like 30 minutes. So group fitness is the way to go for me. <laughs> but probably like one or two classes a week right now. And then I walk a lot. And you play soccer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Soccer, volleyball, flag football. Yeah. I didn't count. I didn't account for that. Yeah. Those you're are all right. workouts. You're right. They are. Well, I just very, very hard. Very hard. <laughs> soccer, I cannot do. Ninety minutes of running. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I look to Ree all the time, and I'm like, help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think makes a good coach? Something I think about a lot. Ooh, this can go so many ways. Um, I think if I don't trip on my words here, the thing that makes a great coach is being able to read your athletes. And I call my members in my class athletes as well. Like you don't have to be a part of a team. If you're working out, you're an athlete. Um, and I think a coach that can read their athlete and know how to speak to them and connect with them. Because growing up, I played all sorts of sports, but soccer specifically. Um, And I had a coach that was very aggressive and he would yell. And like a lot of people, I think honestly, a lot of my guy friends too, like they respond really well to, to what I would call negative feedback, like just screaming at them. And I don't, I respond well to like calm, encouraging words. Mm. And 
like the coaches that could recognize that would also get the best version of me on the field. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I need to stay focused. Yes, I need to be aggressive and push, but I need to also feel like I'm having fun and like I'm being encouraged and recognized for the good things that I am doing, if that makes sense. Because yes. um, if you can't read your athlete and you can't connect with them, then they're not going to respond well to you and they're not going to respond well in the field or in the workout. Um, so that would probably be the biggest thing for me that makes the best coach just knowing your athletes and knowing how to speak to them and work with them and encourage them. Would you consider that a, to be a strength of yourself as a coach? I would say for the most part, I don't think I'm perfect. Well, yeah, nobody is, but that's not, that's not, yeah, I would say yes. I, yes and no. I lean more towards the encouraging side anyway. And if somebody tells me, Hey, I want you to be harder on me, then I can do that. But I don't, initiate that like I'm never gonna be a hard ass on someone because I've made that assumption Mm. so am I the best at reading it straight off the bat probably not I have progress that needs to be made there but I can also just take feedback from them and be like yeah yeah I can give you what you need for sure what do you think you need to work on as a coach well I mean I I just in terms of what we were just talking about generally speaking hmm is there anything that stands out to you that you know this is something you want to improve upon? Yeah, I mean, well, writing and programming your own workouts, sometimes your mind starts to get repetitive. So for me right now, I'm trying to get creative. So I'm trying to visit other people's classes. I'm trying to go on Instagram and look at some other gyms and see like what, okay, what are they posting? What are they doing? Just looking for ideas to get creative because group fitness is different um, than other types of working out. Like repetition is good and I stand by that and I definitely support it. But the people that come to a lot of group fitness classes don't want repetition. They, They want to change it up. And so for me right now, it would just finding a way to stay creative. That's what I want to do better with. Um, I also tend to get nervous on the mic and I will just like start blabbing my mouth and I'm like, these people sometimes don't want to hear you talk. Just stop talking. So that's another thing too. Just being aware of when to speak up and when not to. Yeah, that's a hard distinction to make because you are the instructor. Yeah. And like the second I stop talking, sometimes people just stop working and I'm like, no, no, keep repping. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I imagine that's very hard. I, I don't, um, I'm not a uh, frequent um, group fitness attendee. <laughs> uh, I did one workout with Re at uh, Evolve. Oh my goodness me. What day did you go again? It had to have been a weekend. Oh, even worse. Yeah. Um, Those are some tough ones. Yeah. I mean, the workout was, was good. The workout was good. I just uh, like, for me, going to the gym is like, it's like me time. Get out of my way. Don't talk to me. Let me get my headphones in my no. zone. Sometimes I don't even wear headphones. I'm just like there. No music when you work out? I don't listen to music when I work out. If my headphones are in, it's like a podcast or like a speech or like a uh, or like um Wow. Like a lecture. Cause it, it like if I have I don't like to get too hyped when I work out because I'm already like very excited to be there. And <laughs> I don't need to be have any more energy. Like I'm, I'm fucking <sighs> I want to be at the gym. I love like that. I, I haven't missed a workout in I don't know how long. Uh, so like listening to music doesn't vibe. And then I also just like to think about stuff when I'm at the gym. So sometimes I forget to count my sets and I'm like, that doesn't even matter to me. But most of the time I write my stuff down. But usually it's just like a lecture 
or a yeah. podcast or something informative. I love that. Um, you know, I don't digest the information as fully as I would if I was sitting down and taking notes. So usually it's just something that just like comes and goes and I'll take little pieces. Yeah. Of it. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> so. Interesting. I love that. I've definitely heard of people listening to podcasts on runs. On runs for sure. Yeah. For me, runs, I have to be fully distracted. I need something to take my mind off of the run. So I have tried a podcast and I think I just made a poor choice. I don't even know what it was. It did not engage me. And I was like, okay, we're switching to like EDM music because. Well, now you can put yourself in your here in your headphones. You're right. I can just you listen can just to listen us. Listen to you talk all the time. <laughs> oh goodness. Ooh. But uh, yeah, I think about I think about being a coach, uh, like being a good coach and a, being a good leader all the time. Because I have a I coach a 14 year old baseball team, mm-hmm. and I, I think I've distilled it down to three things are really important. One is enthusiasm. Oh, for sure. Like caring about what you're doing. Yeah. Like when you show up to the thing, you look excited. Like, and that's super important for you as group fitness instructor. If you look like. Like you don't want to be there. Nobody's going to want to be there. Then people are going to go through the motions just yeah. like you're going through the motions. So enthusiasm is really important. And it's really important for 14 year olds because they feed off this energy. Like I feed off their energy mostly. They come excited. For sure. And if I'm bringing their energy down, I'm just doing it wrong. Like I'm yeah. trying to, I'm trying to get up to their level and stay there with my enthusiasm. Right. And I think number two, um, you touched on it with about programming and staying creative and stuff is like knowledge, knowledge yeah. of the thing you're talking about, knowledge of baseball, knowledge of fitness, movement patterns. Where should my uh, arm go? How do I feel the contraction of my muscles? Things like that. So right. Just knowledge. Yes. People, you can get away with not being enthusiastic if you know a fuckload, but you're gonna lose a lot of people. Even if you do know a lot, I think enthusiasm, that's why I put it at number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. And then the third thing, which you also touched on, which is genius, is being able to say the same thing in a hundred different ways so every person mm-hmm. that you talk to can understand it. Yes. Which is what you just said. Yeah. Is knowing your athlete. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking to a 14-year-old kid and I'm saying, hey, you need to do this, 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 and this, and he looks at me like this <laughs> and then tries to go and do it and he does the same thing he just did and then I say the same thing over no. and over 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 again and then I get mad at him for not understanding it. Whose fucking fault is that? It's mine. I'm the idiot. I didn't take responsibility for my actions. I didn't even listen and see him. I just like, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm a cookie cutter coach. And I only know yeah. one way to say it. Instead of just being like, maybe this is it. Or maybe this is it. Or maybe this is it. Or maybe this is it. And You're then right. he's like, ah. And then that <laughs> light bulb moment. And it's like, holy shit, that's the coolest thing. And then you have to do that with all of your athletes. Now, at some points in group fitness and when coaching, like everyone's just in a circle mm-hmm. and you're just telling, giving basic, basic information about a basic thing. Right. Like this is the overview of the workout or this is the overview of the, the practice plan. Yeah. Great. Everyone should understand those basic tenants. But if you're talking about specific things like, hey, you need to pull your elbow back to your rib cage. Right. I don't get that. Okay, let me figure it out. Yeah, and you'd be surprised people actually don't get that. It's very hard. Yeah. Like contracting and breathing as you're doing yeah. the concentric, concentric portion of the workout. Like, For me, I'm like, pretend you're squeezing a penny between your shoulder blades. And for me, I'm like, obviously that makes sense. And there are people that it genuinely does not click with. Yeah. And so, it. yeah, you just have to like mess around and, well, not mess around, but you just like figure out what is going to make sense to them. Yeah. And that's the fun part about it. And if that, if that annoys you as a coach, then coaching isn't right for you. Yeah. That's like the cool part about trying to be creative with your language and being sophisticated about how you approach things and also being able to control your response. Like, why the fuck does this bird occur? God damn it. This is so stupid. Being like, okay. 
I do still say it in my head. You know, sometimes, right? <laughs> my dad used to do that to me when we were doing math homework because I just didn't get math homework in high school. And he's like a genius. And my sister was a genius. And I'm not a genius. He's like, what the heck, dude? They were both like, just get it. <laughs> it's probably much exaggerated. But I don't head, get it. It's it a funny story. But I think it's, it's so important. Like coaching is such an art form and like it's such a responsibility. Like especially for people who are really trying to like change their life. Mm-hmm. And this is the first place they started at. Yeah. And you're the person they saw first and they're, and you're like, oh, I, I might be able to actually do this. Like Maddie, yeah. Maddie can get me there. Like I see her and that's the vision I want for my life too. And she that's, did this whole thing. And that's the dream. It's like, it's no small thing. Like, and you don't know everyone's story that walks into your gym. Mm-mm, no. You don't know half their story. People didn't even know you were drinking on the job. So yeah. they didn't know your story yeah. and how much you were battling and still showing up. And it could be the same thing for someone else. Like, I just got to get to this workout and I can just do this and this can fall into place and this workout's going to mo- Like, all these things can happen mm-hmm. just based on simply moving your body. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. What else do you think about, uh, about wellness? What are the other, like, important things about wellness except for movement and eating? Or anything else that you do sleep. in part of your day? Sleep. Sleep. Oh, my gosh. Sleep. Like, even in the course and just my own opinion, like sleep is most important. And if you can't prioritize sleep, which is very hard to do when you've got a lot going on in life, um, then absolutely nothing, no matter how hard you try is going to go well for you. If you're lacking on sleep, sleep is a part of like probably the biggest thing for wellness, your nutrition, like your diet. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, I made my own rule 70, 30, and I think it does great. So just knowing like your own limits and like making sure you're taking care of yourself, Um, and then physical activity, but you also like physical activity is great, but it's not going to bring you everything that you need if you don't have human interaction too. So I think having connections Mm -hmm. is also very important. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting things too, but I definitely think prioritizing sleep. A lot of people will, I mean, me included when I get busy, I, I coach at 5am some mornings, so I have to get up at 3.50. (laughs) Yeah. And there are some nights where I don't get done coaching until like seven or eight. So I get home, I eat dinner, I shower, I get ready for bed. And by the time I can wind all the way down and go to sleep, it's not, it's like 11 PM and I have to get up at 3.50. So like those nights, the day after is always the hardest, but I know that that's just like one night of the week. Um, So if people can prioritize, like give or take seven hours, roughly a night, then I would say that's so important for like overall wellness just to be a kinder person clearer thoughts you can set goals and be more likely to achieve them because you won't be so utterly exhausted yeah yeah because if, if your aim right is to try and be the best version of you the only way that you can be the best version of you is if you have energy right how do you have energy I mean, with your food and what you, I mean, what you eat and your sleep. Yep. Those two things. Yeah. Mostly your sleep. Cause when you get enough sleep and you're well rested and you have this sort of energized tranquility about you, you're going to be clearer minded and have more clarity to be able to make the decisions that you know you should make. Yeah. Every person knows what a healthy person does. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that it's very clear. It's very out there. There's all the science, there's social media, there's everything. People know what they should be eating and they know how to embody what a healthy person would do in this moment. Right. And the reason they don't do it is most of the time because they're tired. 
They're mm. stressed, mm-hmm. they're overwhelmed, and they don't have the energy to make those decisions or pre-plan for those decisions so you can buy your willpower at the store. So you don't have to worry about having that code because it's not in your house. Mm-hmm. You've deleted these bad habits through friction and you've created this life where a healthy person makes these choices. And then it's not so bad when you have that ice cream or the cookie because yeah. the majority of 70% of the time you're cruising. Yeah. And then like, oh, I'm going to have this dessert. And there's no shame behind it. There's like, I enjoy this thing. Yeah. It tastes good. Because you know you're still going to do all of these things that you normally do because they're part of your life. You're not eating this thing saying, okay, then tomorrow I have to go run 12 miles. No, oh. there's no have to. There's, yeah. You eat this thing. You get to. And you enjoy it. And yeah. you love it. And you share it with a friend or your partner or you're just driving home from work and you're like, mm, ice cream sounds pretty good right now. <laughs> and you just eat it. And then the next day when you wake up, because you still prioritize your sleep because you're that person, you put that into your life right. regimen, you wake up and maybe you're like, oh, maybe we'll play some tennis today. <laughs> not that you have to do it in the morning because you ate this thing and now you have to work it off. That's right. just not how it, it should work, right? We just like let life flow to you. But if you've built up these tenants in your life, then the this or that or whatever, like it doesn't matter. It just fits. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, that's like, that's how I view it at least. Cause I love dessert. I love candy. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, it's delicious. But I've tried to build up habits in my life where we, where we don't do it often. And Ree's very good at it too. She's very disciplined. And so we, we, we bounce stuff <laughs> off each other, right? Like is today an ice cream night or, you know, are we just going to, are we going to do this? What are we having for tomorrow? Like we're planned. So we, yeah. we have these things in advance. Right. Um, and you can do that too as a, as an individual, like with your life. Because just because you're not planning your life doesn't mean things aren't happening. Like things are still going to happen no matter if you plan or not. Mm-hmm. So might as well yeah. like put your best foot forward in terms of organizing yourself in that way. But For sure. In terms of um, this past year, do you still feel um, like shame and guilt over who you were? Have you forgive yourself? Was there a period where you didn't? Was forgiveness even a part of your mind frame in terms of your past behaviors? You know, I don't think I ever thought about forgiving myself. Uh, I didn't even really think about the shame for a while there. It wasn't until actually yesterday I was talking to my boss. Um, I actually have like an in-person court appearance tomorrow where I have to watch the body cam footage of Blackout Maddie getting arrested. And that has like put me in a chokehold. Like I have like not been able to breathe over it. It's just, I mean, who wants to watch that person? And I can't remember the words that she used, but she just kind of like looked at me and was like, you have to remember that that version of Maddie is no longer. She's not there anymore. And that is not you. And you need to walk in there and you need to realize that that is not you anymore. And if you walk in there still associating yourself with that version of you, that means you have not let her go. That means you have not forgiven her. And that means that you're going to walk in there and you're going to show the court that there's still potential that that's you. And like, she said it in a little bit uh, of a different way than that, but basically it just kind of hit me that like, yeah, that's not me anymore. Like I'm going to watch it and it's going to make me cringe and it's going to make me feel a little bit of shame, but just knowing like that is not me in any way whatsoever and it won't ever be me again. And it will always be a reminder. And even though I'm like nervous to have that memory ingrained, 
that, like I said, it will always be a reminder and it will always keep me from going back to the way that I was. So I guess her saying that kind of was my moment where I was like, okay, that's not me anymore. And I am ready to release that version of me, Mm. which I guess in a way is forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You transformed that version of yourself. I'm still nervous for tomorrow though. (laughs) Well, that's totally fine. Nerves are okay. Nerves mean multiple things. Nerves mean that you're alive. Yeah. Nerves mean that you care about the thing you're about to do. Yeah. And nerves just mean that you're in high arousal. And high arousal doesn't always mean bad. High yeah. arousal mo- sometimes can mean I'm excited. Yeah, true. You know, it can borderline on anxiousness, but sometimes we need to be anxious about things because mm-hmm. it, it keeps us safe. Right. right? I'm going to be anxious about entering a new environment. Not that it debilitates de- me that I can't walk into the room. Yeah. But if I'm going to walk down a dark alley at night to get to my car, I'm going to be on high alert. I'm going to be highly <laughs> aroused because I'm anxious. Like right. I'm looking. I'm not just like, nothing's going to happen. Like, I can't be naive about these situations in my life. And you're also going into a highly stressful situation. So if you weren't nervous or anxious, it would probably be weird. It'd probably right? be that concerning. Means, that probably means you've numbed yourself out to the point where you don't feel things anymore. And yeah. I don't want to live that life. Yeah. I don't want to feel these things. Now, how can I transform my nerves or my anxiety into something that can be conducive or positive that I can still be in the present moment that's just developing a set of tools and that's possible for anyone right um but yeah I mean like if you think about when you started drinking and when it got out of hand right you were just doing the best you could with the information that you had Mm -hmm. so that's why I think like like I've had some addiction specialists on this podcast and they talk about that like once you've once you've gathered yourself enough where you know that the thing you're doing is an issue and you're addicted you weren't addicted but i'm just saying in general right Mm -hmm. now that thing is starting to ruin your life and then you start to get on the side of recovery that thing that you did was ultimately the thing that saved you in the moment it kept you potentially from doing something else right for addicts it's potentially kept them from from killing themselves Mm -hmm. um for you it was your coping strategy because you were a young person dealing with a lot of things and it was the this is the best way you knew how to do it right and so that forgiveness comes along saying okay you know, I, I did the best I could. Mm-hmm. Like, and if we can, like, just assume that of other people and of ourselves, like, we'll just be a little less harsh on ourselves. Not that we're not going to hold ourselves accountable because you absolutely did. You know, you didn't do some great stuff. Right. But you've already come to terms with that. Now I can say, now I can release that part of me like you just said and be like, wow, man, I fucking crushed it. Come so far. This is yeah. sick. You know, so cool. It is so cool. I finally achieved so many goals that I had for myself that I kept pushing back. Yeah. So it's awesome. Congratulations. Thank Again. you. All right, I want to talk to you about one more thing. Yes. One of my favorite topics. Currently. Lay it on me. Dating in the uh, modern world. Gross. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's that been like for you? Have you dated a lot? No. Date? I haven't dated a lot. Um, I don't know. I had like... One super bad experience, and after that, I just One like super bad so okay, super bad. That's so dramatic. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, gosh, it was freshman year of college. So what I'm about to say is gonna be like, well, duh, Maddie. Long distance freshman year of college, he cheated on me the whole time, and it was like super upsetting. And at that point in time, I was like, I'm swearing off all men. I hate guys. And I used to straight up say, like, I hate men. There was one time I jokingly, I don't even think I really fully understood what this meant when I said it, was in the store with my sister. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm asexual. Did not know the full definition. She busted out laughing and it was just a joke. And so I said it for forever. 
And it wasn't until like three years later that I finally gave it a chance only because my friends would constantly pester me. What, gave dating a chance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured out what asexual meant though. Well, yeah, I did. And I was like, wow, that's why she almost fell to the floor in the middle of the grocery store. Because I was like, yeah, I mean, it's not bad, but why would I say that? Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, no, my friends pestered me for forever. So I have dated a few handful yeah i would say a handful of guys since that point in time and it's just hard i mean you'll get a guy that's almost 28 29 and you're like okay cool he's mature he's got his life together but then he ends up manipulating every single part of you the whole time making you think that you're like a child and that you're wrong and you I don't know what it is but for me I stay in situations even when I shouldn't and I know I know that it's wrong and I will stay even now in your current state of being yeah I think it's because I want that partnership so bad and for some guys I think I convince myself subconsciously that I can fix them and then for other guys I think it's me saying that I'm the problem and like I'll work through this or I will work on me so that we can have a chance. And at some point it's like, okay, it's not me. Well, it could be, but it's also them and it's just not going to work. I think dating's hard too because a lot of guys these days don't actually want commitment. It's not the fact that they want to be sleeping with all these girls, but it's like, they don't want to have to be tied down to just one person. They don't want to have to think about your emotions and your, like what you're going through. They just want to think about themselves. And I hate to say selfish, but it is selfish. Like they just want to be themselves. And I think that's fair, but a lot of guys will come into it. I had one guy initiate everything and I thought it was going great. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, I don't have time for this. Like I, I can't prioritize this. And I'm like, well, here I am now with the feelings for you thinking that there was hope and potential. Um, I never sought you out. You found me, you initiated everything. And now you're running at the thought of commitment. Mm-hmm. And I have faced that multiple times. And I know friends that have faced it too. And I'm just like, is this so hard? And I know it goes both ways. I know there are girls too that just don't want to commit. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know if it's because of like the way things are these days where like there's all these dating apps and social media where there's all of these options and people have this idea that the grass is greener on the other side. I don't know what it is, but. Can I ask you a question about those relationships? yeah you don't have to answer if you don't want to um did you sleep with these guys not all of them and the ones that you did how early was it hmm um one of uh one of them was the first time we hung out by ourselves so the second time i met like saw him in person and the other one wasn't until like four or five dates okay cool yeah there wasn't that many guys I dated, so. No, yeah. I, I know <laughs> Thanks for answering. You didn't have to. to not to put you on the spot. But, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's, a, there's a couple of reasons why I think dating, you know, is, is challenging. Uh, Tough. In the modern world. I think, one, our society has sort of demonized this idea of commitment and marriage. Mm-hmm. So people aren't willing to get into it um, and commit to the long term. Because they think, yeah, like, there's so many options. 
I'll just find something else or something better, quote unquote, when really that's not the case. I feel like they get bored so easily. And I'm like, relationships aren't going to be fun all the time. Like you're going to be with your person and have fun with them. But not every day is going to be like the best day. And I think a lot of people, male and female, Mm -hmm. do not get that anymore. Well, yes, because our society has become one of instant gratification. Yeah. I have to get this now. Yeah. And I will not wait. And if I do have to wait, then it's not worth it. And I'm just going to go somewhere else for it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a challenge. Um, the level of easy access to pornography and OnlyFans is a huge issue, especially for males. Yeah. Because if I am a young man... And I know that our society has now sort of over-rotated to the fact where we sort of demonize men um, for being toxic and having all these traits that have ruined society and we've been oppressive to everyone all the time, no matter what. Mm -hmm. A young boy hears that, then he has easy access to pornography where he can see millions of really attractive women do all sorts of things. Why am I going to leave the house? Right. And why am I going to leave the house? Also, I'm not going to become a great man because I don't need to. Because I'm not trying to attract a great woman. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to be weak and docile and stay in my house and watch pornography. And that's that's all the social intimacy I need. Of course, that's awful. It ruins people's lives. Yeah. So that is an issue. Also, this idea that just promiscuity in general, a lot of females wanting to act like males. And basically sleeping with more people to be like men, to sleep with more people. Right. Now, if you sleep with more people, that means the men that you sleep with have to do less work to sleep with you. So now they're not becoming the man you want them to because it's easierly easy to access everything that they want. Right. Not everything they want. And again, it's not the woman's job to uh, make men better. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a point where we've become so adversarial, men and women, that... When we try and elevate ourselves, we want the other gender to go down the other way. Right. Not let's elevate each other simultaneously meeting at this peak to create Mm -hmm. a beautiful, meaningful relationship. Now, every interaction you have or every time you date someone is not going to be the one, Mm -hmm. but it can still be a positive thing. Like I learned this and this and this about myself. Oh, so this is what I actually want, even though I thought it might have been this. I'm glad I went on that span of dates with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's what the sort of the, 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 the wow, the gist, maybe the challenge. <laughs> okay. That's 170 <laughs> podcast episodes and I still don't know how to talk. So <laughs> we love that, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the challenge of, of sort of, of, of modern dating, you know, and then, and then you add social media and then you add dating apps and then you add all of the oh my other gosh. parts and it becomes, uh, incredibly challenging yes and yes so, yes but just like anything you have, if you if you want something for real mm-hmm. you have to be willing to risk heartbreak yes the only way you find love is through heartbreak yes and you have to be willing to go out in the long haul and i think the most important part which i stated earlier especially for men you have to become the person who is attractive to the person that you want in your life. Right. Yeah. You have to become that person. How can you attract you know what, what you want? You know what that is. Yeah. Everyone knows what that is. Yeah. If I don't have a job and live with my parents. Right. And I eat shitty food and I have a car that doesn't work and I have no motivation and I haven't shaved in four weeks. Oof. Um, what, who's, who's attractive to that? 
Like you just have to get real. And this is not to be mean to anyone who literally is in that current situation. This is to say that you can flip it around and you can become that version that attracts that, that teacher, that kindergarten teacher that you find so beautiful Yeah. or that group and fitness instructor or the engineer at whatever, right? Whatever you're attracted to, not that this random thing that you see on porn, that's not a person, right. that's a performer, Right. that's an actor. She's not like that in real life. I don't know, actually, never met one. But that's not what we're, we're trying to cultivate real relationships in real life, I think real humans. Trust and transparency too. That's something that I've seen make relationships difficult for me and other people, like transparency. If someone, if your partner gets upset, like let's say you're in, feeling insecure about something and you just have a question, not because you think that they're actually doing it, but because something in your past is making you feel that way and you're like, I just want to talk about this. And if they get defensive and they don't want to be transparent with you, then that just like starts an unhealthy relationship that is going to go downhill. And it's hard to find somebody who's willing to be transparent and willing to have those conversations with you because I do have, I like to say I don't have trust issues, but I think I do because of what happened with my dad. You do. And <laughs> yeah, so I like, I'm not crazy about it, but at some points I will like ask a question mm -hmm. and some guys have gotten very annoyed by these questions and they're like, well, I don't have to tell you. And I'm like, you, you're right. You don't, but like this bothers me. Do you care that it bothers me? Do you want to have that conversation or is this you telling me that you don't care about me and is this going to get worse kind of a thing? Mm. Um, I, I think it's incredibly sketchy when a guy has uh, an entire page on his phone, like where he hides the dating apps and Snapchat notifications, like when they're hidden to where like you just scroll to the back of his phone. Not that I, I would like to say I have never actually looked through a guy's phone. But like I have seen him pull up Snapchat and go to it. And I'm like, why are you hiding all of these things? Why are you hiding them? Those are actions. Yeah, but like. And you have to take those actions. Why are you dating if you have something hidden like that? Like you're, you shouldn't be dating then. I think. Well, of, of course not. But that behavior has probably uh, got him where he wants to get. That's probably true. So he's not going to change his behavior until something catastrophic happens. Well, I seem to only attract those kinds of guys. So let's circle back to what you just said. That means I need to do better about. Well, that means you need to uh, <laughs> sort of understand, um, you know, why you keep falling into the same trap over and over again. It's a great question because they find me and I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Yeah, but there's got to be like warning signs and things that you might ignore. I'm not saying you're not doing a good job, but like um, if you, you, the response is the same on both ways, right? If you, if you're someone who sticks out in a relationship too long because you want to make it work, that's a response from your parents not being able to make their relationship work. And if you wow, are someone who tries to fix other people, it's this response from your parent, your your dad or your mom not trying hard enough to make their relationship work. So it's the same thing. It's both from the same thing. That's crazy. That so, I think you're right. And so you have an awareness about it because you mentioned it. I, or else I wouldn't have said anything about it. So you, you are aware of it. And so when you become aware of it, then you have to figure out why it's happening. Is this something I actively can change or want to change? Or am I just doing this because this is my trauma response? Right. And then how can I not have that be my response by sort of 
healing that side. Yeah. And then when you get into long-term relationships, say two, three, four years, then it might come out. But then it's easier to have the conversation about it. Because mm-hmm. now this person is, you're fully engaged with this person. They know your backstory. Close they know enough. your history. And so they can be like, hey, this this might be showing up for this reason. Like, let's yeah. talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and so that, that could potentially be something that you might want to look at. Yeah. You're right. I will say the last relationship or whatever you want to call it that I had, I did do a lot better about communicating and staying calm. And I... I pride myself on that. Very good. So that is one win. All step in the right direction. Even though it didn't work out, it was still a win. It's a huge win. Huge <laughs> win. All, everything you're doing, right, is all a step in the right direction. Yeah. You have to put yourself out there. I tell my little, do you know anything about baseball? Barely. Okay. Well, I tell Try. my little boys, this is the same thing in dating, right? You have to be willing to strike out in the same batter's box that you want to have the game winning hit in. Okay. Yeah. I get that reference. I like that. That's a good one. I'm willing to strike out here, but maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe a month, maybe a year, I'm going to have the game-winning hit. Yeah. Uh, Rhea and I have a great saying that um, dating sucks till it doesn't. <laughs> I, yes. I'm going to like print that one. I mean, that's the truth. It does suck. It's exhausting. It's scary. Like you said, you got to take that leap of faith and be willing to get your heart broken. Mm-hmm. Now, dating doesn't suck if all you're trying to do is go out there and have sex with a bunch of people, which I did for a while and it didn't suck. I don't think I ever want to do that. But it's not, it's not it doesn't, it's not <laughs> conducive for anything. It doesn't yeah. add value into your life. It doesn't cultivate any sort of connection or right. emotional maturity or emotional connection, which is usually when you have the best sexual intimacy is when you're actually emotionally invested Connected. in the individual that you're looking at and you can look them in the eye and say, I fucking care about you and I love you and it's so cool that we're connected in this super intimate way and our bodies are touching. It's fucking wild. Yeah. You can't treat sex as this like casual throw it away thing. I used to do that all the time and it got me like – to a point where I felt like absolute shit about my life. Yeah. Like absolute shit. And that's when I went, decided to go celibate. And that's when I opened up space in my heart and in my life for something real. And that's when Re came into my life. And like it happened in such a magical way that I can't even write it up any better. But and like I had to go to a place where like I was like feeling awful about the decisions that I was making. And I did a whole episode about it if you guys want to listen to that. It's your own version of dating rock bottom. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if I, can, if I can encourage guys to get to that place where they, you know, become this person who is like emotional, emotionally mature, can have deep conversations and connections and can also be tough and strong, but also be soft and gentle. Like you can, you can embody those dynamic characteristics mm-hmm. to be someone that can be the someone for your partner. Yeah. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. Like that's. That's you, two people building a very small community in a very large world. But that bleeds out into so many different things. And there's a domino effect of that love and that care and that community. And how many other people can you affect and all of these things. So it's not a small thing to, to, to say, I want to commit. Or if you don't want to get married, at least say, I want to have this partner for, for a long time or for forever. Or whatever you think about it. Right. I think the institution of marriage is, is extremely important for the longevity of our society. But anyways... Um, any other, uh, any other points you want to make about, about, uh, dating? No, I think we covered a lot of them. I mean, most of them. I'm sure there's something. I'm sure. Yeah. Do you have any other last minute thoughts, comments, questions, funny stories? 
things you have to share? Because I have one more question, but I'll let you. I'll let you, I'll let you share that. <laughs> Being put on the spot, my mind goes to like clouds. No, nothing. I'm a funny girl. I have something funny usually. Not right now. Not right now. No. <laughs> um, so this last year has been pretty incredible for you. Yeah. Growth and transformation. Um, if you come back on this podcast one year from now, what do you what do you want to say has happened? Oh my goodness me! Well, I would love for all of my DWI to be completed, like all of the court stuff. Okay, great. They keep, they stretch that out. It is going on for far too long. Um, so I would love for that to be done. Okay. Um, right now I still live with my mom. So I would love to be able to say that I am on my own. Um, I'm already shifting full time to one gym. I was at four different places. So, <laughs> so many places. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're shifting into one gym right now. Full time at one gym. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. This gym is also like, I I don't want to be 1099 anymore. They're a headache for me. Shout out to anyone that deals with just 1099s. You're awesome. My goal is to not. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Um, and then the last thing probably would be, uh, it's a financial thing. I would love to be able to say that like I'm financially stable. Right now I'm paying off my car, paying off student loans. Okay. To be able to say I paid off my car fully, that would be amazing. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, health and wellness stuff, I don't really set goals per se. It's just like an everyday thing. It's like a lifestyle. Right. So I can't say anything would be much different. Just maybe that I continue on with my healthy lifestyles mm-hmm. or lifestyle habits. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't wait to uh, circle back to those. Yeah. I'll see you guys in one year. In one year's time. Let's see. June 6, 2024, baby. Uh, great. Okay, last question. If you, Maddie, yes, we're gonna put up a billboard. Oh my gosh! Don't ask me what I'm gonna say on it. In the middle of downtown Dallas. Oh, I don't know. And millions of people were gonna see this billboard every single day. Uh, what would you put on it? Okay, give me a moment. Um, let's see. I got one idea that you might have. We'll, we'll see if you choose that one. You know what's crazy is I have a quote in like my Facebook bio and I love that quote. And in this moment, I can't even think of it. I know what's on your Instagram bio. Here to help you on your wellness journey. No, your actual Instagram, not your fitness one. Oh, that's, I'm, I think I'm just so nervous that I can't remember what it is. It's take it one day at a time. Yeah, that's right. That is right. That's a great one to put on the billboard. I think that it, I think that would be what I put on the billboard. I was going to say that one, or you could potentially say, um, since you talked about being worthy of love, like you are worthy of love is a good billboard. That is, I do. I, front, we can go front to back. Yeah. Yeah. One side is one and one side is the other. I do think I would probably choose the, um, one day at a time one. Circling back to what we said earlier, just being present in the moment. Taking it one day at a time. Yeah. Even one moment. One minute. One second. If really things are really, really hard, you know, <laughs> I can make it to the next minute and I can make it to the next minute and the next minute and the next minute. Yeah. And then an hour has passed and you can make it to the next hour and then the day has passed and you're like, ah, I fucking did that shit. And then you're building up that undeniable stuff. Exactly like that. You know? Exactly. And that's what you've been doing for the last year. And, uh. I'm, I'm glad that you and my fiance became friends. Me too. 
I'm glad that now we've got a chance to talk and we've become friends. Yeah. And um, a lot of cool stuff is going to happen in the next year. You're going to come back on this podcast. We're going to have a wedding to celebrate. A wedding. I am so pumped. So <laughs> very cool. For someone who doesn't have a relationship, I love celebrating love. Well, that's why you're going to have a very deep and profound relationship. You're right. That's a goal. That's a goal. Okay, we'll circle back on maybe, that in a year yeah. two. Maybe that doesn't have to be a goal because you're not trying to rush it or force it. <gasps> no, no, no. Just like have that healthier relationship and be able to recognize things and oh, yeah, work yeah, on what yeah. we talked about. Yeah, I see you having a beautifully profound relationship. Oh. Uh, and it's going to fit great when we go on uh, some double dates, whenever that is. You're going to make me cry. Yes, whenever that is. Whenever I'm excited. Is. No time frame because <laughs> we'll be around for a while. Yeah. So, beautiful. Well, thank you, Maddie. Thank Appreciate you for having me. If you, want, if you want to learn more about Maddie, uh, please just uh, click the links below in the show notes. Instagrams are available, and she will, I don't know, answer all of your health and wellness questions. Come or, at me. Uh, whatever the case may be. So <laughs> thank you, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to that episode with Maddie D. What was your biggest takeaway from that episode? What idea stood out to you the most that you could potentially implement into your life right now? And if you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And don't forget to leave us a rating or a review on Spotify, Apple, or even Good Pods. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashbitz directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. So click the link in the show notes and see, and see which tier might work best for you. But most importantly, really most importantly, above all else, please take good care of yourselves and each other. And I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.